This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. Golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I'm Ken Tripp. I am Haley Stoddart, and today we're going to explore whether size actually does matter with our starships, of course. Um, so, Ken, you kind of talked about this, and you mentioned about the fact that my Twitter handle kind of essentially has like a size of a ship in it. So, uh, for those listeners who do not know, I am Trekkie01D, and yes, that obviously shows my love of TNG, but also my love of the Enterprise D. I think uh, that is hands down my favorite ship. It's the one I grew up watching, obviously, so it's it's got home for me. But I love the size of it, uh, and I I love the layout of the ship. I think it's interesting. Most people like the E. I'm not I'm not a big fan of the Enterprise E, but um, I do love the D, and that you know this was the family ship, which I know some people don't like as well, and I think that's why it was so big. You know, people were having their families on board. We had more crew, obviously, on board. So you've got to have more crew quarters. Um, I just, I love it. But, so does size matter, Ken? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Beyond the innuendo, uh, it's it's one of those things, I think, that uh, is, is a fun subject, first of all. And I, and I appreciate uh, what you said about why you love the Enterprise D. There's... I, I think that um, there's there's something for everyone, you know, depending on when they came into Star Trek or whatever it is, uh, where you become attached to something. And I feel very similarly with the Refit Enterprise for that reason. So I, I completely get it and, uh, and respect it. I think it, it's kind of cool when people tell you the whys and what they see. And so I always looked at the D as being a very nurturing ship. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I understand what you're saying. But I, I like the subject because... Um, it's it's one of those things where I have no idea why we get all wrapped up in it, but I do get caught up in comparing. Um, I want you know I'm a big Star Trek fan, and so I compare against Star Wars and Battlestar, and it's 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 be- become kind of a, a fun thing to do, you know. So could we throw in like Farscape in there as well? Those ships were kind of big and interesting. Sure, sure. I, I mean, whatever it is that um that you like to compare and contrast because I, I, I think the um the design of ships the size of ships to me is fascinating you you want to in your mind you know kind of figure out is, is it feasible you know mm-hmm. why are our um, star trek ships so aerodynamic and they're built for space you know things like that and then you see like farscape and other designed vessels where you know they've got buildings and antennas and things there's no resistance, so there's no reason why you can't. But it is it is different, isn't it? It is. I think it's interesting that we, our science fiction shows have conceptualized ships differently, but also they have kind of some similarities to them. Um, you know, we can also, you know, mention like the Orville ship. It's, mm. you know, they're built aerodynamic, like there would be resistance, like our airplanes are, and yet... 
there's not, you know, and, and so we can only imagine what kind of ships we need to have out in space. And, and so it is kind of interesting to say, oh, this show does it this way and this show does it this way. And okay, this one's exploratory. So really the weapons aren't that great. And this one, like with Star Wars, it's all about kind of mostly about the weapons, really. Um, you know, and, and how big do you need it? Does it really need to be that big? Why is it that big or why is it that small? It really is kind of an interesting discussion, especially if you want to do a broader just sci-fi in general, anything that has a ship in it. Right, right. So I, I remember, you know, from the time you first see the Star Destroyer make its debut in the original Star Wars, mm -hmm. which is a hell of an entry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just goes and goes, and you're just in awe of, of how big this is. To the launch of the refit Enterprise, which was three years later, or two years later, excuse me, you know, it's become a bigger deal for me in particular to discuss and understand um, you know, why. Why, 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 do, why are ships designed the way they are? How did they come up with them? And then along comes J.J. Abrams, right? Um, and, and I have to admit, when, when Star Trek The Motion Picture came out and, you know, they showed those beautiful shots of the ship or whatever, and I, I fell in love with the Enterprise refit, um, you know, I, I, I was trying to think, well, is this as big as a Star Destroyer? Is it, is it a lot smaller? I, I really didn't have the scale in mind. It, it's, it wasn't something that I could easily capture, mm -hmm. especially with the shuttle going over it and all that other stuff. Sure. And then, you know, you read a bunch of books and whatever, and they say, oh, it's, you know, it's whatever it is. It's, I, I believe, the Enterprise, it's 305 meters, so 1,000 feet roughly, right? And you go, okay, that's, um, that's the size of an aircraft carrier. It's a good size ship, mm -hmm. but it ain't no Star Destroyer. No. But then, but then JJ comes along, right, and just reboots the franchise, and then all of a sudden, you know, the um, the Enterprise is now two thousand four hundred and sixty-seven feet long. The 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 original Enterprise, holy smokes, that's a big ship. Yeah. So, so, um, so I'm curious, what what are your thoughts on like the scale and the change of the ships? Um, you're you're a D fan. The D was a big ship. It radically changed how um, the size and scale of, of starships, you know, 80 years beyond the original Enterprise. Look, do you, does it make sense for you to get for the, for them to get bigger? And is there an advantage to it? I, I'm just curious. Is that something you like? Is that something? Do you like to see the ships grow as time goes on? I kind of do, and I think this lends to the fact that okay, the original series was a five-year mission. You know, right. we know that there's radiation in space. There's there's all sorts of things that, you know, bombard not only the ship, but obviously the people on board. And and that's truly science. It's what we're looking at these now with the possibility of going to Mars is how can we get people there? So I think with the taking that into account of the type of mission and how long they're going to be gone, do you really want something that's smaller? Because obviously people are going to fall in love and get married and are really going to prevent them from having kids on a ship because it's going to happen when you're out in space for that long. Um, your, your crew is going to grow even if it's not necessarily we're stopping at Starbase 5 to pick up more crew members you know, or drop off crew members or anything like that. It's, it's inevitable that it's going to happen. You're on essentially a community floating community in space and I think that having a bigger ship gives you that ability to grow but also you know there's more space for however long you're going to be gone you know when we get to TNG it's not necessarily they're putting a cap on like oh we're going to be out in space this many years and then we're going back and then they're going to dismantle the D and reuse what parts they can to build a new ship they were inevitably out there for who knows you know, their lives, essentially, you know, however long that is. And so I think it's got to have some comforts. And essentially, you know, it is home. It's it's not just, oh, I'm at work. This is, you know, like I've enlisted. When you enlist in the Navy, I'm going to be on my ship for this long. And then I'm going to be gone. And then somebody else comes in. It's It's very much a this is where I live. 
I, I think in that context, I, I agree. Um, and you're right, they never really stipulate, you know, it's, it's just an ongoing mission to explore. Mm -hmm. um, I think the difference is in the original series, you get the impression, though it, it never really occurred the way you thought, um, these guys, this crew was just going to go. Mm -hmm. um, just go, and you're going to be out there for five years, and, you know, you're going to be exploring an arm of, of an area that the Federation claims um, that, you know, because it's so big and it's so vast, but you won't have a lot of support. Yeah. Um, but in neither show did that really become the case, uh, where they were really stretched. In fact, the timelines grew, you know, it's, it's three days to Vulcan to 15 minutes, mm -hmm. <laughs> depending on what you're watching. Uh, so it, to me, it's, it's pretty interesting. But conceptually, everything you said is, is spot on. I get it. It's, um, it. It does make sense if, you're, if you are truly a ship of exploration um, and you are not going to be tethered uh, with supplies and things for you know, a few years at a time, mm -hmm. that, that more space makes sense. Um, I think what kind of changes it a little bit is no matter how big a ship is, you know, if you're, if you're on a, an aircraft carrier, for example, but you're underway for eight months, that ship gets very small. Yeah. Um, you know, and you can only imagine what it would be like in a starship. So I think, I think the game changer for TNG and that era of ships being built for their size um, was the holodeck, right, and, and that type of technology. Because it does allow people to escape and at least feel like you're not you're not trapped, and um, and psychologically, you know, being on a ship like the Enterprise, the original Enterprise or the refit Enterprise, which are roughly the same size, um, you know, it's 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 like being on a submarine. Um, you're out there, you're in a very small space, and it takes a very um, uh, it you you have to go through a lot of psychological testing. Uh, I think, uh, in order to ensure that you're fit for that kind of duty, because you could see where people could go absolutely insane being cooped up in something that small for that length of time. Well, and exactly uh, like, and, uh, yeah. you know, the original didn't have a lot of windows. You look at the D and there's tons of windows, which right. is another topic all in itself. But, you know, it, it, I can only imagine just being cooped up. <laughs> I think I'd probably go crazy. We went on a cruise and it was, we were out at sea for, let's see, we were on the ship for four days, I believe. No, mm -hmm. three or four days. And yeah, it gets small after a while. There's only so many places to go and only so many things to do. And you do the same things numerous times to entertain yourself. And, and granted, a cruise ship, there's lots of entertainment. That's what they're for. But still, it's, nothing like we had a day out to sea just blue sky yeah. and ocean that's all there was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know so i can yeah. imagine that you know having a larger ship you'd have more to explore you know you i'm sure at some point you'd be like okay i've seen every corner of this ship let's do something else um <laughs> Yeah. What else? So then, you know, so th there's there's the the portions that you're talking about as far as you know what what becomes at least functional and existable for the right people, mm -hmm. or the right species, the right aliens, or whatever that are on your ship, um, so that it's sustainable for a certain period of time. I also think a lot of what you do on the ship has to do with um, how satisfied you are. So I think. You know, if you're the captain of the ship, you probably want to be on that ship and underway all the time because that's your ship. And if you're um, Schmedlap, who's down there, who, you know, washing the decks, yeah. um, when my enlistment's up, I'm ready to go. And so, you know, you, you, you get the, the mix. And in, and in this world, I think it's, it's interesting. So you, you have, you know, what, what we're talking about, I think, first and foremost is, well, um, usually the size of the ship is dependent on its mission. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, you know, if we have to go a certain speed, how big do the engines need to be? And then how big do the power plants need to be? And then, you know, how big does fuel storage, if they use fuel, for, for example, does that need to be? And then, that, you know, that kind of, it becomes the building block for how big your ship is ultimately going to wind out. Um, you know, if it is a, you know, like, like a starship that is multifunctional, Right, it is both uh, a ship of exploration and a man of war. Um, you know, you have to have 
you know, uh, capability to, to fight and also have um, design for survivability. So it, it, to me, it gets, it gets very interesting as they go. And, um, and that's, that's kind of the cool thing. And, and one of, I thought, even though um, it's the same for the original series, that the concept of being able to separate the ship existed um, they didn't have um, the technology or the skill set to, to separate the ship back in the 60s, and they never bothered to do it in the 80s. But uh, until the next generation came along, did you actually see, okay, um, we're going from a ship of exploration to a warship, put everybody in the saucer and send them on their way, and then, then the ship goes off in the battle, which doesn't happen very often either, kind of oddly. No. But... Um, yeah, but you know, a lot of it is just timing. You know, do you have, do you have the ability to separate the ship and fight the fight? But I, it to me, it's it's all really cool. Um, you know, and and I think the other thing is, uh, unlike uh, on Earth, uh, where you, when you build a ship ship, you don't have to worry about things like draft. You know, so if you build the ship too big, um, then you're limited to the amount of harbors you can go into. Mm-hmm. Things along those lines. Uh, in 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 our universe in the star trek universe our universe that's pretty funny huh in the star trek universe <laughs> um you know the, the size of the ship might limit what space dock you can enter but that's not a big deal you know when you think about mm-hmm. it um so it's yeah I, I i i love the fact that they um they they think of it and they engineer it much like um a navy ship i, I mean it's very very similar when you think about it uh the ship's got 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 bigger when you know they needed to carry airplanes um but a lot of the other support ships and whatever they still about the same size that they were you know 80 100 years ago hasn't changed much yeah and that's that's interesting and so um you know you were talking about you know here we we build to suit and all i could think of was uh uh the hunt for red october and how (laughs) when uh alec baldwin's character goes down and all the reactors and there's like five of them and he's like oh and like his eyes get really big yeah um you know it it is interesting that that we build around the engines instead um i don't know i don't if to me it feels like uh with star trek our ships are just they're like they don't necessarily say we want the engines to be this size it's i don't know where they start with you know is it just like okay well we've built it this size so the engines need to be this size do you think it's that way that the engines are kind of like the last thought or do you think they're somewhere in the middle i think it depends on what the mission of the ship you're designing is mm-hmm. for so uh across star trek i think they've been very consistent with you know how they do it in in, in the navy and, and things along those lines you have um, you know, the, the Constitution class was a cruiser, a heavy cruiser. It wasn't a battleship, so it wasn't the biggest. Mm-hmm. Um, although I, th- I think it, it's intentionally it was at the time, but, um, you know, there, there's books and non-canon things that show that there were bigger ships than, than the Constitution. But at any rate, um, you know, so it, it was a heavy cruiser. It was, it was built for uh, exploration as much as it was defense. And um, in order to get to, you know, its maximum warp, I'm thinking you need a power plant to generate X. So if you're going on a five-year mission and they want to cover X amount of space and they figure out, well, then you need to have, um, in the motion picture, it was like its cruising speed was set at warp seven. So I don't know what the cruising speed in the original series was because you never really heard them say much more beyond, you know, warp factor one when they ended the show. Sure. Uh, but they needed to get places, and so, you know, the engines, I think, um, play a huge role in, in that, um, you know, whatever, whatever power plant is necessary, because once you get moving, um, it's not like it's pushing against anything, you know, uh, it's just moving the girth of the ship. Yeah. So it's not, there's, there's no resistance, there's no wind, there's no nothing, so it should be able to, to go, and so, uh, you know, that, that might have just been how I viewed it. There's nothing I've read that says that. But that's that was just my mindset. If um, you know, it's like a jumbo jet. You know, if you want to fly to um, Shanghai, for example, from from Boston, and they do fly nonstop, um, then you need to have um, a, sh- a plane that's big enough to carry the amount of fuel necessary to to fuel two or four engines. So that alone says, okay, I need a, a bigger. I, I can't do that with a seven thirty seven, but I can do that with. Uh, 
you know, an Airbus 350 or a 747. So that's kind of how I equate the two is the bigger the missions, the longer the missions, the, the, the more engine they need, the more, the more space they need for their crew. And if you look at um, uh, Voyager, that was the first time we saw a ship that was actually designed for like two or three month missions. Yeah. That's, that's all it was. So it was much smaller. Um, engine size, you know, it could still go fast, but everything was compartmentalized. Just, it just wasn't built for what the Enterprise was built for. And therefore, you know, a smaller crew, smaller mission, everything about that ship was designed, you know, like a bird of prey. It's just meant to go out and fight. And, you know, <laughs> it's not meant for deep space exploration. Um, though the, the, those things seem to just never go away. But it's just, it's just one of those things where, you know, I, I get where they were going. Um, it's just that it evolved, um, especially in the JJ verse. Boy, did it evolve! Yeah, and you know we can we can talk about that. I know that as you know, original series, you love the refit. Um, yep. I have to say, when I do, I know everybody complains about it. Oh my God, it's too big. It's huge. It's all this stuff. Um, again, I I take that with a grain of salt, just because. Yes, but you have to look at. The movies came out what years they came out in what movies they were going up against if they didn't if they made that ship as the same size as what we see in like the motion picture and all the original star trek films i don't know if it would have gone over as well i don't think we would have pulled in you would have gotten like hardcore trekkies going to the movies but everyone else would be like well, this ship's really small. Like, look at this movie over here and they have this. Look at Guardians of the Galaxy and their ship, you know? Like, I think it lends to just the timing of the films themselves and and the bigger budgets. And they wanted these to be, like, kind of a rejuvenation, I think, in some aspects of the franchise. Um, just because we hadn't had anything for so long, as far as a film goes or a TV show... And so I, I think I look at it with that, but I have to admit, I do, I really love the JJ Enterprise. I'm not going to lie. It's gorgeous. I know it's shiny. I know it's too big, but it is still <laughs> a beautiful ship. And it was functional. It was, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like the Enterprise D where it was, you know, this luxury hotel in space as some people call it it was a battleship it was an exploratory slash i mean it became a battleship with the with what goes on in the films but it still was very functional i think in homage and whatnot to what the original series was yes it's bigger it's shinier and everything else but it still functions, I think, just like the original Enterprise. It didn't have any fancy schmancy stuff. It just was the ship that it was. It just was bigger. Yeah, I agree with that. And I thought, um, it, very interesting listening to your take as to why. And um, I'd never heard that before. And I think uh, you make some really, really great points. I, I, I was like, oh, okay, I see where she's going here. This is... Very, very well said, Thank Haley. You. I, I, I never really, you know, said, oh, it's it's because of, you know, the the other movies and all that other stuff. I just kind of took it as, all right, if, if Ken was reimagining Star Trek or, or rebooting it, mm -hmm. um, because I'm a competitive guy by nature, would I want the Enterprise to be much bigger? And the answer would be yes, um, because um, I think... I am kind of. I, I I do think bigger is better. I, I think there's. I think that scale adds a lot um, yeah, to ships, and um, you know, it's it's it, nations have been doing it for hundreds of years. I mean, when when the dreadnought was created, you know, back in the early 1900s, it was the ultimate battleship, right? Mm -hmm. And so every country was, every country that had a navy, was trying to build a bigger battleship and. They wanted to have the biggest ships, you know, ever. And, you know, that became kind of a, um, a point of honor amongst things. And it, I, I see kind of the same things in, in the movie, so to speak, right? And it, I have to admit, it frustrates me um, 
why in Star Trek that you know the the other ships that that a lot of times the doesn't matter if it's TOS, TNG, JJ, whatever. Why are all the bad ships so much bigger than our own ships? You know, why is the um, the Romulan warbirds? Why are they so much bigger and badasser than the Enterprise? <laughs> I don't. I never really. I never really figure that out. What? Why? Why are we always kind of at a at a disadvantage um, in size and weaponry? It. It to me, it's just. It was always an odd thing about Star Trek, where I was always like, well. If you want to keep the peace, um, you know, build something that says "Don't mess with me," and then go on and explore. You know, that that's that's kind of how I, I, I look at things. But to your point, I think with um, with JJ's uh, ships, um, I I thought that they they mixed the best of both worlds um, as far as the design mm-hmm. of the Enterprise. I have to say, I really like the uh, the Enterprise A at the end of of, of Beyond. Um, because it kind of um, contextualized and balanced the engine size. That was the only thing that, that kind of um, had me. It's like, why are the engines so bloody big? Mm-hmm. I mean, they were, they, they're just huge. And I, I always thought it was because um, in the motion picture, everything was so not only just aerodynamic, but everything just seemed to, to fit perfectly. Right. I mean, it's the right sa- the right scale, the right size. Everything was kind of blended, and everything seemed very balanced. The ship looked very balanced. Um, in the JJ universe, they don't look as balanced. Um, you know, the engines are bigger, or whatever, and and they don't need to be in space. By the way, it's just it's just different. So it took me a little bit to get used to it, um, but it didn't bother me. Uh, you know, and I'm glad that that you like the ships because I like the size of them. <clears throat> what I loved was the inside of them. Uh, you know, I, I understand they were filming in breweries and things to make it you know as big as they possibly could and um i thought especially in into darkness you know when you're in kind of the center of the ship and and you're looking up like you would and you see all the rings of of how many decks are above and below uh it really does give it give it some great scale um and, and the decks and everything i thought were beautifully designed so i like the fact that they're that big i always kind of wish the enterprise um, starting with um, the original was 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 bigger, um, but you know I think that as I think about it, when you look at Captain Pike and you start moving up, uh, you know um, the ships were pretty big for a crew of two hundred. Um, they were probably just the right size for four hundred and thirty, but much bigger than that. You know I mean so it really was a small was a small crew and actually kind of a small ship. Um, you know, probably big from a technology point of view to point to, to build. Um, but then when you when you come along with JJ, you know what? I, I actually don't know what the crew complement was of the refit Enterprise or the new um, JJ verse Enterprise. But it must have been a lot bigger than even the um, the Galaxy class ship in TNG it had to be. Potentially, and I don't know. So one thing I want to I want to discuss. You had mentioned you know the fact that our villains always had larger ships and. And yeah. we have smaller ones. And I think a lot of that lends to, if you look at the villains, they're trying to instill fear throughout the galaxy. So they'd want their ships to be even bigger than ours. You know, um, even before they encountered us, they'd want the largest possible that they could make because that instills fear in people. It instills fear in, in not only your own people, but in others that you might encounter, other planets that you might go to. It's very ominous. It's, it's very much a control type of situation. And I think with the reason that our ships always seemed so much smaller in comparison, they were large for what we were doing. And, and the size that, you know, we probably, like, if we did it today, I'd be like, holy crap, this thing's huge. We would think it was really large. Our enemies wouldn't. But I think that was also to show that, hey, we are trying to be peaceful. Yes, we could build our ship just as big as a Romulan warbird or bigger. But we choose not to because we're trying to show, hey, we are out here exploring. We're not here to take over. We're here to befriend, to understand, to learn, to grow from other cultures, other races, beings, species that we're encountering out here in this galaxy, but we're not here to exert control. And I think that having a larger ship 
on par with what the Romulans or the Klingons had would show that we're trying to be overbearing and we're going to rule over you because look at our giant ship. Look at you. Two, two in, incredible um, soliloquies Thank you. in this podcast. Uh, fascinating. I, I've never looked at it through that lens. You could be right. I always, um, I always had the, the script flipped it where, you know, to me, um, one thing that, that villains or, or, you know, um, powerful enemies respect is power, right? The, the only thing that um, keeps or, you know, kept the Russians at bay in, in theory was if they attacked us and they just, you know, if they thought they could destroy us, they knew they would be destroyed themselves. And so it was always kind of a tit for tat. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about, um, you know, it, what happens in warfare, um, yes, smaller ships in particular can, can pack quite a wallop, um, but the larger ships um, could sustain a hell of a lot more damage and keep going. And, um, and that was, you know, kind of the whole thought process before everything turned to carriers and everything was battleships. Battleships were bigger with more armor so that they could slug it out um, much, much longer and not limp home. Whereas a, a destroyer, you know, two shots and if you hit it, it was done mm-hmm. um, and, and gone and out of the fight. Um, but again, all built for different purposes. So I, I see what you're saying, and I think when you look at the philosophical approach of a lot of the writers in Star Trek and where they came from, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I don't know if that's a viable theory, but it's a damn good one. Well, thank you. <laughs> you know, it's a, I think it, I, I think it, you know, it, you, it, it makes me flip it right back to the JJ, and when, um, you know, essentially in Into Darkness, where, you know, they, they, they're, they're pretty sure that the Klingons are coming, um, you know, that there, there's more and more threats. They saw how big the Narada did, you know, how the damage it did. It destroyed a planet, all that other stuff. So they built the Vengeance, mm-hmm. and that is one massive, intimidating ship. It is. I mean, it's it's just huge. And even its name and its color, right, being being black and in dark and intimidating and all that stuff, um, kind of fits exactly what, what you are saying about um, the Romulans and others uh, in the prime timelines. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's interesting. I mean, just because our ships are smaller doesn't mean that we don't have weapons to protect our ships, right? So it's it's very much, you know, the weapons on our Enterprise, various ships are very, I mean, they're great. You know, they can hold their own. They hold up well. You know, the JJ films, maybe not so much. The technology of their Narada and, and the Vengeance are pretty intense. But at the same time, just because something is small doesn't necessarily mean that it's not tough. And, and I will say this here, um, I, my job I have to do what we call CPI training uh, mm-hmm. and I have to renew it every year. And it's effectively, essentially, if I have a client that I'm out with or I'm at doing stuff at home with to, and they start getting physically violent, whether it's with themselves or towards me or towards somebody else, I can effectively hold them without injuring myself without them injuring somebody else or themselves. And so I have to renew this every year. And we have to, we read about the different holds and things like that, and then we have to practice them so that we know how to use them effectively and and correctly. And the supervisor who does the training, when I had mine recently, just a few weeks ago, was getting pretty tired and asked me to take over and be Um, for the final hold which is the child hold to be the child essentially and Mm -hmm. you get to basically (laughs) do everything you can to prevent somebody from from doing it because that's what kids are gonna do if you have to do this (laughs) and I would know because I've had to use it once Um, and it was really fun because I've worked with everybody at my job for three years almost four and I'm smallish and polite and everything so most people think oh you're not that strong but I also work out and I lift weights and I'm a lot tougher than I look and so it was really quite interesting because everybody's like oh my gosh you're so much stronger than you seem and I think that's the same with our enterprise ships is yes they're smaller so our enemies might think oh well you're smaller than me so that doesn't mean you're very tough 
and I can easily take you out. But that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, what you say, you're right. Don't underestimate your your enemies, Mm -hmm. any of those things. Um, The Defiant was built as just a pure war machine, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, So I... And, you know, very small, but, you know, quantum torpedoes, it was armed to the teeth and all of that stuff. Yet in the battle with the Borg, it took the big old Enterprise to come in and save the day. And the, and the, and the Defiant was, was knocked out. Um, and the Borg ships are obviously huge, too. So I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, don't, don't underestimate. And no one should underestimate any individual. No. For that matter. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of people that might be small in stature. Um, but they might have a, uh, <laughs> an ability or a tolerance for pain. You, you know what I mean? They, they, like they'd never stop. <laughs> they just keep going until they win. Uh, so I, I understand what you're saying. I just find that um, example after example, especially in the prime time universe, the prime universe, um, and we saw yeah. it. We saw it in yesterday's Enterprise, right? The Federation was losing, and it was going to lose. Um, in many cases, the ships get the living you-know-what kicked out of it, and it's some clever thing saves them but it isn't the power of the ships and it's always something in star trek that has really ticked me off is you cannot you cannot um maintain the peace and protect your people um through um less effective um or you know or allowing yourself or allowing your enemies to to be able to have capability that that Mm -hmm. you can't um cloaking device is a great example it is the dumbest thing in star trek um, you know, it doesn't matter how big or small your ships are if the enemy fleet can orbit Earth without you knowing and just blow yeah. it up. Um, and there's no way to detect them. And to me, that that's silly. Um, and there's, so there's a lot of concepts in Star Trek that just, like I said, um, if you're going to rely on the charity of evil, then good will die. And um, and that's that's just fact. And it's so, you know, more often than not, we find ourselves with our ships getting, you know what, getting kicked out of them, and they find a clever way to win. But mano y mano, usually the Federation is getting its butt kicked, and um, it's frustrating. I, I mean, it just it just is to watch. You know, there there are different examples where, you know, in TNG and lower technology or whatever, and the ship is taken over by the alien who, the, you know, was it McDonald? Yeah. Or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That dopey thing. You know, when they're just they're just kicking ass. Um, but that's a technology gap. Um, that's mm-hmm. not that's not Federation Klingon Robulent and all that stuff. And I think, you know, when you watch Deep Space Nine, which is one of my favorite series, um, you know, they kind of hit on that a lot. Um, you know, it, the, most of the ships are pretty much the same size going at it, but the Federation, you know, it it takes a wallop against the Klingons. It takes a wallop against the Dominion. Um, when the Romulans join, things change. But, you know, on their own, one by one, the, um, the Federation very rarely is able to come up on top. And, um, and that's a failure of what I would say of their responsibility to protect what they have. And so if it means bigger ships and being more intimidating, do it. If it is be more subtle and smaller so to show other people you're not a threat, um, then in the eyes of evil, you become an mm-hmm. easy victim. Just like in the wild. Right, the wounded animals yeah. go down. Um, bad people t- tend to prey on the weak and the and the aged, and uh, and that that's kind of how I see things. Um, so I love the two perspectives because um, it, you, you've made me think very differently. And I'm just telling you where I was coming from. I'm not saying I'm right, by the way. It's just it's just no. I get what you're saying. I definitely do. So yeah. So bigger is it better? Do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I agree to a sense, you know. Um, it's interesting when you were talking about this and we were talking off mic about, you know, you find it interesting that this is kind of an interesting topic for me. Um, I will say I, I'm i like an old car person. I love I love different things. And it's it's interesting that, um, you know, like I, I almost very, very closely uh, had a 1969 Pontiac GTO. Almost. Oh, and that's wow. like my dream car right there. It's it, beautiful, beautiful. It had the hideaway lights and everything. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. 
I didn't get it long story short and I cried about it so <laughs> but it's really kind of something that yes most most women are not big on like oh look at the size of the ship they're more involved in the characters and things like that but I think the ships are really interesting mm -hmm. because they themselves are a character and you know we, we've oh, talked about you, that yeah. before is that they are part of the show I mean without it we wouldn't have the show we wouldn't you know what oh, yeah. I mean what would they do <laughs> <laughs> how could you picture Star Trek but not on a ship? I mean, how else would they do it? They they had to have some kind of vessel to get these people out in space and going from planet to planet. So, I mean, it is a character in itself. Oh, it is. I think that uh, you know, one of the concepts they could certainly try in Star Trek is you know, you have a ship, but every once in a while the crew rotates. Yeah. And you get a you get a new captain, you get, you know, There'll always be some people that may stay, but in in the real world, in the Navy, for example, you know, every three to five years, that ship turns mm -hmm. over 100%. It's just the way it is. And so for me, yes, the ship is a character that could, I think, maintain a series. And, you know, I, and I remember when um, a lot of the arguments about the motion picture, oh, it was too much on effects, it was too much about the ship's, um, and less about the people and in Star Trek 2 they made it more about the crew and so forth and I, th and I thought that was a very valid argument but um, I also found there was a little bit of arrogance with the actors on that one it's like don't don't discount the Enterprise and when they when they blow it up or they kill it it's uh, like they did in Star mm -hmm. Trek 3 it was like it's it's not quite Star Trek anymore um, it just isn't. I mean, the Enterprise was a part of the original series, and, and it needed to be, which is why they brought it back. And they brought back the exact same <laughs> ship, which I didn't find that to be very yeah. clever. Uh, but they did. And then, you know, onward and upward. And then, of course, you know, um, the ship is old by the end, and so is the crew. And the ship gets, you know, it's it's uh, hull beaten in, and uh, the crew get, get beaten up pretty good, but they survive. And then they go off into retirement, which I thought was kind of interesting. So they, they're all going off uh, to... Um, to settle down you know at the same time so it's it is fascinating to me um where the ships come and go but i i don't i don't think it's wise um for a lot of these writers and whatnot and i don't think they've done this so this is a good thing where they underestimate just how much the ship really matters mm -hmm. to people um i'm sure uh in generations when when the d met its untimely death um that a lot of people were upset about it you know, I mean, it, it must have bothered a lot of folks. I, you know, I was like, you know, I, I, to me, I, I really didn't like that movie very much for many reasons. But one of them was, is it's like, you're, you're just trying to capture too much drama too quick. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that, 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 that's a lot. But you're, you're completely discounting people's feelings about that ship. When you oh, I, I am one of those who is, was very upset. Um, and to this day, I still get emotional about it. Uh just because, you know, years later I learned that that was the set they had used on the TV show and the bridge set and they destroyed it, you know, and Gates' uh, son grew up walking, learning to walk on that bridge set and and it's very hard, very hard to watch well, that when, when it crashes yeah. and that end scene and everything else. But I also feel that way about Beyond when the nacelles, when the ship takes such mm -hmm. a beating and and when Scotty's like, I can't go, the nacelles, they're gone. And I'm just like, oh, I kind of lose it. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. And I think the um, the difference between the two, Haley, to be honest with you, there's, you know, there was there was the Enterprise blowing up in Star Trek three. And if you think about it, it, it had only been in two mm -hmm. movies. And even though there was supposed to be so much time that passes between the events of the motion picture in Star Trek II, it's just a training ship. So, it, you know, it's like, why do you keep knocking this ship down? And then in Star Trek Three, you know, they, they blow it up um, as a sacrifice so that, you know, as they say, others can live and continue on with the plot. So I get it, and it, it, they, they did a, a fairly good job, I guess, of sending it on its way, but it was very emotional. Sure. In Generations that ship meant a death that was not appropriate for the amount of time that it had been on um, and what it had mm -mm. done. 
and all of it. I, I, mean, I thought it was a really, really um, stupid, poor, just like killing Captain Kirk. And it was, that's why I don't, I can't stand that movie at all because, you know, Kirk dies in a way that's wildly inappropriate for what he's earned. And that ship dies in a way that's wildly inappropriate for what it earned. And in Beyond, they did it with the right way. Um, it was extraordinarily it was. emotional. And, and, and it happens off the bat. And it's that feeling of helplessness that goes along with what I thought was a very, very creative way. In other words, you know, any of the ships in any version of Star Trek would not have been able to take on um, that type of attack. It was just, it was incredibly creative. Mm-hmm. And that's what made it, you know, you're sitting there and you're just like, you're helpless. There is, no matter what they did with their weapons or whatnot, there's no way they could defeat this enemy. And I thought that that's an appropriate way for a ship to go down because it's just they have never designed the ships for that. And then they take that into account when they go forward. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I, I hear you. I, I think that the, uh, the, the Enterprise D, um, and I was, I was okay with it. I, was, you know, I thought it was a little bit too comfortable, but I, I love the series too. I was like, man, that, that is wildly, um, that, that is not what she deserved. Yeah. You, know, would, you, you wouldn't. You wouldn't see Captain Picard go in such a callous way as the way they killed Kirk or the way they killed that ship. Nope. No, I totally agree. They better not. They better not. <laughs> when the Picard series winds down, if if they're going to end it with him going out, it better be in a blaze of glory and something pretty significant. I, I 100% agree with you on that. I so, so I think we're kind of in agreement that really bigger is better. It is better. I... Um, I think holistically it is. Um, if if they took the refit Enterprise and they scaled it up, I would have been you know, for the mm-hmm. JJ films. I, I probably would have been like, it's absolutely perfect now. That would have been my thought process. Um, but I do appreciate the fact that you you really like the cool kind of. It's funny because you said GTO and JJ said I want this thing to look like a hot rod, <laughs> and so. Maybe they designed it just maybe, for you, Maybe they did. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be cool. All right. Hey, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It has it been fun. fun. And, you know, it's interesting. You know, you, you mentioned about the ships, and I totally spaced that I have these. Um, I have the uh, Star Trek designing ships books, and I haven't. They've been sitting on my shelf, and I'm going to have to flip through them. Um, I've got all three of them, and... I'm intrigued mm-hmm. as to what's what's in them, but it's about all the different ships and stuff. So I'm gonna have to flip through this and see if there's anything in there worth mentioning. I don't think I've seen that series. I've got the the one that shows all the starships, you know, all the different designs. It's kind of a, a long um, book, and you know, it doesn't really fit on your bookshelf yeah. well. And I've always enjoyed that one, but I haven't seen yeah. that one. About I think the these are um, they're they're done with um, you know the Eagle Moss ships. That they've been doing. Um, uh-huh. The same gentleman who is involved in those was involved in these. There's three of them. So this one's the Enterprises and Beyond. And then there's the Starships from 2151 to 2293. And then 2294 and the future. So it's kind of interesting. Cool. Yeah, it sounds yeah. very neat. Yeah, I'll look it up on Amazon. They've got me something to pull in. I I haven't I haven't purchased a lot of Star Trek books in a while, but that looks like I like the the not so much the books that you read, but like most people, uh, I like all these little informational books and stuff. <laughs> I'm yep. with you. I'm with you. All right. Any final thoughts there, Haley? No, just bigger really is better. Bigger is better. That's it. You've heard it from here, folks. We're done. Anyway, I I, I can't wait to see uh, the threads on on the Babel conference for this one. I, I'd really like to hear from from all of you on on your thoughts on on these designs and the size and a lot of the things that we've talked about. Um, and I'd, I'd really like to hear your opinions on some of the, especially the the, the two um, the two I thought major points that Haley made during this this podcast. I, I I'm very interested to hear your opinions on this. Yes. But, uh, talking about our Bigger starships, better than smaller ships, isn't the only thing uh, we're, we're talking about here on Trek FM. Here's some other shows. Previously on Trek.FM, Earl Grey. Okay, that's excellent. And it'll be interesting to see how we interpreted the topic because I know I may have interpreted it uh, maybe a little differently than others did. We'll see. Is this another time travel thing? You, no, I was, I was going to say, 
no time travel for me as long as Jellico doesn't come into this. Sure. Okay. That's so we'll make okay. that deal then. Awesome. <laughs> I'm in. All right. Literary treks. And you know the the stakes are are really big. You know we'll we'll get there, but you know this Borg ship threatens Earth and all this kind of stuff, and it just feels like it, it's it's a lot of really comic booky over the top stuff that doesn't quite fit right with the novel that came before it and the novel that came after it, if that makes sense. <laughs> Primitive culture: a look at history and culture through Star Trek. And Next Gen arriving was was this sort of wow, wow. This is looks incredible. I know when we look at sort of first season Next Gen now, what we're going is wow. This is really slow and stagey. But in fact, it was it was incredible. It was absolutely um, game changing. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Only because I was watching little bits of Emissary recently is that he would see himself wearing that awful purple swimsuit and think, oh, God, I can't wear that. <laughs> oh, my every, gosh. Every time I see it, I'm like, whoa, I'm really glad I'm not wearing 24th century clothing. <laughs> if you wanted me to murder an entire society, fine. <laughs> but I'm not wearing that bathing suit. Too revealing. That's where I draw the line. <laughs> that's funny. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all of these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, you can get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trek.fm contact and look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trekfm, Facebook at facebook.com trekfm, and the Babel Conference. Type The Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trekfm.com and click Discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels, along with all of the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credit, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. They are Norman C. Lau, Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, Dan Rhodes, and Mike Richards. Your contributions and support mean the world to us, and we appreciate you being associate producers on Standard Orbit. You can find me on Twitter at Trekkie01D. You can also hear me talking about both Discovery and the Orville over on the Fandom Podcast Network's Discoville podcast that drops every week. So thanks for listening and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit.